Renewable sources of electricity, such as wind and solar, grew at their fastest rate in two decades in 2020. These resources are slated for major global expansion in the coming years at a much faster pace than prior to the pandemic, according to a new report by the International Energy Agency. The increase in 2020 is set to become the new normal with about 270 gigawatts of renewable capacity on course to be added in 2021 and almost 280 gigawatts in 2022. How are asset managers keeping pace with this unprecedented growth? Let's find out. Hi, this is Alana Knopp, Senior Reporter with New Project Media. I'm joined today by Katie Kreider, Director of Asset Management at Sage Energy Consulting. Katie has extensive experience maximizing financial performance of distributed generation and small utility scale solar projects, leading Sage Energy's asset management of solar and solar plus storage systems. Thank you, Katie, for joining us. It's really a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. So my first question is, um, we'll just jump right in. Could you give us an overview of Sage Energy and some company highlights and successes over the last year? Sure. Sage Energy Consulting is expanding the opportunity for businesses, public agencies, and schools to pursue renewable and sustainable energy by providing comprehensive energy planning and project management services. Sage has assembled a really great team of experts in solar, storage, microgrids, fleet electrification, and energy efficiency to advocate for our clients' needs and best interests. We're providing the needed expertise in renewable energy to lead organizations towards net zero emissions by developing and deploying a clear path to energy savings and decarbonization. Uh, some of the highlights and successes from the last year are that Sage really decided to ramp up its asset management service offerings. You know, the work doesn't stop after project implementation and Sage can really provide a great benefit to our clients by managing projects after en energization. Um, California tariffs are complicated. They're notoriously complicated. And I think one of our biggest wins and one of our most recent wins is that we helped a school district save $33,000 because they have been placed on the wrong tariff. Um, so this district is in PG&E territory and they had requested to be placed on the A6 tariff by the March 31st, 2017 grandfathering deadline. PG&E switched them back in 2017, but in 2019, they switched them back to A10 uh, because they exceeded the A6 demand limits. So Sage went back to PG&E, we reviewed the records and we found that the tariff request had actually been filed by the deadline. We got PG&E to make the change and now the client is gonna see a $33,000 credit on their next bill. And that wouldn't have been possible if we weren't advocating for our client, helping them understand what was going on with their utility bills and you know, making that change for them. You know, that's, that's a huge savings. I mean, that's a great way to lay out what you guys do. It, it is. Uh, we also see a lot of clients who should be on option R with PG&E. And for whatever reason, that request just didn't get implemented at the time of permission to operate. So we have several instances there where we've saved, you know, many clients tens of thousands of dollars by finding that error in their billing, fixing it, and, and you know, making those changes retroactive. Wow, that's, that's really interesting, just, just to hear those couple of stories right there. Thank you. Of course. So can you talk about some of 
the asset management work that you've been doing around uh, distributed generation and utility scale solar projects, as well as solar plus storage systems? Of course. So Sage's asset management work is a little different than traditional asset management. Um, my background actually before Sage was working as a traditional asset manager um, for a company that owned and operated solar PV assets on a, on a large scale. Um, Sage is really a client advocate who is taking a more holistic view and holistic approach of our clients' needs. Um, so what we recognize is that uh, a peak megawatt hour is the same as an off-peak megawatt hour for a PPA provider or a design build contractor who might have a performance guarantee or might be trying to hit their financial returns. Of course, it's easier to make energy if the system is properly maintained, um, but it's not the same for our clients. For our clients, a peak megawatt hour provides far more savings than an off-peak megawatt hour, and we're really trying to maximize the benefit for our clients. So some of the questions we ask and then answer for our clients are, how is the system performing? Are there any on-site issues that might need to be addressed by the O&M provider? What can be done to improve peak performance? How much money is the system actually saving the clients? And are you on the right tariff? Are you on the optimal tariff for your specific scenario? So to answer those performance questions, we provide independent oversight of third-party solar providers, whether that's an O&M contractor or PPA provider. We do monthly performance checks and identify outages or underperformance trends and try to pinpoint what is going on with their systems so that they can go to their providers and get that addressed. We also verify that those third-party providers are fulfilling obligations under an O&M contract, a PPA, or a performance guarantee. So an example of that is we have a client with a weather-adjusted performance guarantee with their PPA provider, and it turns out the pyranometer being used for those calculations was not reporting for several days during the summer, and then it wasn't reporting at the same level as another pyranometer nearby. So we're working with the PPA provider to fix those calculations, which will actually result in a payment to our client for system underperformance. You know, that's something that a lot of times would slip through the cracks because the PPA provider fulfilled their obligations to send the calculations over to the client, but without actually digging into what was going on to those calculations, you know, nobody would have seen that uh, there was actually underperformance at that site. Um, and sometimes clients want or need more help than that. Uh, we've also helped clients run procurements for O&M services, and we manage O&M contractors on our client's behalf. So we actually will help our clients make decisions about what maintenance to perform. We'll actually act as our act as the owner's rep and manage the O&M contractors because our clients a lot of times don't have the time or expertise to do that in-house. They're busy doing other things and don't want or need to gain solar expertise. Um, what really differentiates Sage from a typical asset management firm is that our financial analysis and utility optimization services provide a really great resource to our clients. And what we do is we do a deep dive into system performance and utility consumption in order to maximize and verify savings. We'll model an entire year's worth of energy data to confirm utility billing, run through all available tariffs, and suggest changes where necessary. Uh, a couple of examples of this, we actually have a client who has a net metering aggregation, 
And one of the benefiting accounts is on a different tariff from the rest. We ran the analysis and it actually may save the client more money to remove that benefiting account from the aggregation because the dollar per kilowatt hour benefit is much higher for the other sites than it is for this one site. Um, we have another client where it might actually, as counterintuitive as this seems, be beneficial to give up their grandfather time of use rates because the solar only offsets a small portion of their consumption and their usage patterns just align better with the non-grandfathered rates. You know, that goes against the grain for, for everything that I, as a solar asset manager, have internalized. But, you know, tariffs are changing, times are changing, and it's really important to take a look at these systems tariffs um, every year to make sure that things are saving as much money as possible. Now, we started the conversation with our clients here. Um, it's a little bit delicate because COVID consumption has certainly changed uh, consumption patterns, but we're going to work with them, probably watch it for another year, and if these usage trends continue, help them make that switch and save more money. Wow, you touched on so many great points in, in that response. Thank you so much. And, and that leads into my next question as we're talking about kind of things changing in the aftermath of, of the pandemic. What are you seeing right now as far as growth in the distributed generation sector specifically? So it's really interesting. As an asset manager, I don't see projects until they're operational. So a lot of the new growth and new markets, new technologies, um, you know, they, everything keeps opening up as the economics pencil in different places and in different ways, but things don't come to me until they're, they're operating. Um, but I am seeing more solar opportunities in non-traditional solar markets like the Midwest and the South. Uh, you know, for a long time, solar was in California and it was in, in the Northeast, starting to see more and more opportunities across the country. Um, and I do want to say it's very helpful when developers and contractors take operations into consideration when implementing these new projects and when implementing these new technologies. It makes it certainly easier to operate a plant if, um, if someone has been thoughtful about how they've designed it as well. I do also want to say that new businesses, new players are entering the DG market every day. Um, we see a lot of businesses who are starting to pursue fleet electrification, businesses pursuing virtual PPAs instead of doing on-site um, solar installations, and schools and municipalities, businesses as well, looking for ways to decarbonize. I'm also seeing a trend towards electrification. I mean, you see it around, uh, around your house, you see it in the residential market, but you also see it in the commercial market. Um, you're seeing uh, fleet electrification, you're seeing electric cars, um, you know, tankless hot water heaters. As this trend towards electrifying things continues, I think we're gonna see more distributed generation growth as well. Yeah, I, that, that's what I'm hearing too, just in my reporting, um, there's just so much going on in the distributed generation uh, sector. So uh, that's really interesting to see. And something else that we're seeing obviously a lot of is the expansion and acceleration of solar plus storage. We're seeing so much storage pairing. So I'm wondering if you can talk about your experience as, as far as what you're seeing. I am so excited about storage. People have been talking about battery storage forever. And I feel like we're finally at the point where storage is maturing in the same way that solar PV did. 
Um, we are seeing clients who have had solar PV installed for a few years coming back and looking at adding storage on. We're seeing clients who have um, plans to put solar on decide that they, they need to put some storage on there as well. Uh, so what we see with that though is that systems are becoming more complex they're more sophisticated rather than just having you know solar that generates energy you have solar plus storage and trying to manage those systems to maximize efficiency to try to you know get your return on investment requires a new level of expertise you have to make and constantly revisit the decision if you're going towards resiliency with your storage or if you're going towards demand and cost reduction with your storage. And that is something that I think a lot of people need to need to keep in mind is you can make a decision one way or another, but you need to constantly revisit that and make sure that you are still doing the right thing as the years pass. Um, Yeah, and, and, and staying with, with storage for a moment, what is driving this growth of, of solar plus storage or just storage? And what do you anticipate as far as growth in the sector, let's say over the next, I don't know, five to 10 years? No, I think there are a couple of things driving this. One is certainly um, corporate sustainability. We have a big multinational client and we are helping them navigate fleet electrification, green energy purchasing options, um, but they're also trying to just figure out how they are going to implement everything, whether they're going to do on-site solar plus storage or whether they're going to do a, a virtual PPA. Um, I actually live in Mississippi, uh, which is not what anybody thinks about when they think of uh, of solar. Um, and my city just signed up to purchase 15% of its power from a utility scale solar plus storage project that's going to be built in the next two years. Um, it's really interesting to see that covered in the media. There's, of course, a focus on minimizing rate impacts to consumers, um, some discussion of environmental benefits, um, but a lot of discussion about attracting new businesses with renewable energy. And so I think that you're going to start seeing, you know, distributed generation scale solar plus storage, but also some utility scale solar plus storage. And people are really going to make a play towards attracting new business with renewable energy because there is this push towards corporate sustainability. On the flip side, you know, we have seen a ton of really disruptive energy events, um, whether that's the extreme heat and fire season like we're seeing now in California, and we'll continue to see every year um, and will probably get worse. And then the extreme cold events like we saw in Texas in February. And so the demand for really reliable and sustainable energy solutions is growing. And that points more towards a distributed generation on-site solar plus storage capability. Um, you know, with advances in more proactive asset management, we're seeing an increase in reliability for clean energy solutions, um, but we're also seeing an increase in demand for the hybrid systems like solar plus storage. And clients are really looking at this grid instability and exploring their resiliency options um, and trying to balance that with demand reduction and cost savings method. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that, that's really interesting. And I wanted to ask you about um, what you've seen as far as the evolution of asset management, renewable energy asset management over, you know, the last couple of years and some of the challenges that you face as the sector evolves. 
asset management has really grown and become more proactive as the industry has matured. Um, there have been advances in operations and maintenance equipment. Um, so, you know, data acquisition platforms have really given us a better way to track data under performance and outages. Um, there are some really great platforms for analytics out there right now. You know, back, back in the day, and I've, I've been in solar since 2007, um, the equipment for a long time was really an afterthought. You need to cut costs, go bare bones on your data acquisition system on your monitoring platform, because that's where you can cut your costs. It was really an afterthought. Um, seven to 10 years ago, the push was really to get the cheapest solar systems as possible out the door. And yeah, the first thing to go was the weather station or the monitoring platform, or you, know, you, don't, you don't need to uh, have string level monitoring or in, inverter level monitoring, just plant level monitoring is, is fine. And the industry has really grown and evolved since then. And recognize that having good data and good equipment on site is necessary to keep these plants operating at their peak. Um, the industry has also gone a very, has also matured a lot in the maintenance perspective. Uh, it's, it's grown, it's matured. Um, the industry has gone from having reactive maintenance be the standard to having you know, preventative maintenance be the standard to more active performance monitoring to full-on asset management. And there is actually a really big difference between operations and maintenance and asset management. Um, asset management looks at the asset as a whole. It looks at the impact to the client. It looks at the financial implications rather than just narrowing in on system performance. You know, asset management is about planning for the future. And we're starting to see more owners, investors, and off-takers really understand the complexity of these systems, the financial implications of lack of proper maintenance, and recognize that these systems need more than just maintenance. Um, if, you've, if you've bought a solar system or you're buying energy under a PPA, you've bought a performance guarantee, you've bought a warranty, you need someone to help you um, maintain those, otherwise you're just throwing money away. As far as challenges go, you know, one of the things that I'm starting to see is, um, is aging systems. Um, aging systems, things that were built 10 years ago are a little bit more of a challenge. Um, they might not have had regular maintenance done. Uh, we're seeing a lot of central inverters that are approaching the end of their 10 to 15 year life, um, you know, from manufacturers that may or may not be out of business. And, we're seeing DAS equipment that needs to be updated. Uh, we have a client who had uh, DAS equipment that was installed on site. Uh, it reported into a DAS platform for a company that is no longer in business. We helped them implement new equipment on site, get a new monitoring platform set up so that they could actually monitor their solar PV system, which had been regularly maintained and was operating well, um, but they were blind for a few months while they were getting that new equipment installed. And then another challenge, but one that I'm actually very excited about, is how to integrate new technologies into existing asset management systems. So it's no longer just solar. It's solar plus storage. It's microgrids. It's solar plus EV charging stations. So you're no longer just looking at your solar system. You're looking at a, a much bigger fleet of equipment and looking at how that all interacts together. Yeah, you know, you're make so many good points there. Definitely, um, you know, in my reporting, so much more of it is now solar, you know, 
plus, you know, there's so many different um, hybrid kind of combinations now. Um, storage in this, solar in that, um, kind of these technologies being put together in ways that they've never been put together before. So that's really interesting. And then you touched on, you know, end of life, which is also something that I'm coming across a lot now in my reporting and, you know, how asset managers, project developers, et cetera, are dealing with that issue. So thank you for touching on those really salient points. Um, now, switching gears, I just want to talk about policy for a little bit. I'm wondering what you're looking at, what policies you're watching out for that could support your work um, going forward. Um, I didn't always do asset management uh, in solar, but one of the things that I found since I started doing asset management is that asset managers aren't affected by policy in the same way as the rest of the solar industry. Um, if you're in business development or if you're in construction, you're looking towards policy to determine what new markets you're going to look at. Projects are fully formed by the time they get to me, by the time they get to asset management. Um, and our pool of assets doesn't get smaller. So policies drive how quickly the pool of operating assets um, grows. But for the most part, policies don't affect asset management and how we operate projects. Um, one of the interesting things that I have come across a policy that has changed asset management is the requirement for LCFS credits in California. Um, you know, the requirement for zero emission energy has actually driven the price of California renewable energy credits up. And that in turn has been something that we've been able to help our clients with. Um, you know, California recs were, were worth uh, virtually nothing for a long time. Uh, we are helping our clients now register their projects um, and sell their recs so that they can have additional revenue coming in that they weren't anticipating. And that is driven by a, uh, by a non-solar policy. Of course, I do look at the federal policies. I'm very interested in what's going to happen with the infrastructure package, um, tax policy for energy storage, uh, and then state local policies, um, you know, as states and municipalities push towards 100% clean energy mandates, I think we're going to see a lot more distributed generation in solar installations. Um, but one of the things I'm actually more interested in is corporate ESG policies. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, you know, how much of a lead um, corporates are, corporations are going to take on implementing solar, on implementing storage, on fleet electrification without any external guidance, without any external pressure. Um, I'm also very interested to see if the asset management will be internal or external for corporates as they are developing their, uh, uh, their renewable energy. Yeah, that's interesting to hear, you know, that some policies, you know, are not impacting, you know, asset management, but then there are others that, you know, could very much so, you know, uh, you know, impact your sector. And so it's interesting to see and, you know, hear what you're, what you're looking out for. Um, and finally, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about um, some trends or disruptions that you're seeing and that maybe other asset managers or project developers uh, who might be listening should watch out for? Of course. You know, I already touched on um, the number of distributed generation projects that are maturing. 
um, and that will need some inverter replacements. I, I think that that is certainly going to be a continuing trend as more and more systems um, age. It's also going to be very interesting to see how we as an industry are going to treat that since we have all of these systems that were installed 10 years ago that didn't have to comply with NEC rapid shutdown requirements, that didn't have to comply with California's updated fire codes that may have 600 volt rather than 1000 volt modules installed. So I think that is, that is going to be um, a little bit of a disruption as asset managers are trying to navigate that, um, that field. A great trend that I have seen is more creative and thoughtful maintenance of ground mounted systems. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but sheep, um, sheep grazing for vegetation management. Yes, I think so that's cool. it's great. I, <laughs> um, I mean, it provides great pictures, of course, but it also improves relationships with local farmers. It shows that solar isn't just coming in and taking over, that there is um, an ecosystem, that there is that there is good interaction between the two. Um, I've also seen some more thoughtful vegetation. So planting native vegetation, planting pollinators, um, things that are low growing, so beneficial for solar, but also can provide some environmental benefits. Um, again, as, as systems mature, as PPAs mature, we're starting to see clients who are approaching um, buyout options for their power purchase agreements. So we're going to start helping our clients evaluate their PPAs and their lease buyouts and make the decision whether that is the correct um, option for them. And lastly, there's a lot of increased scrutiny of energy consumption, um, energy generation sources, you know, where you're getting your energy from, and clients need to justify their choices both internally and externally. Um, corporations may have an internal mandate, uh, schools and municipalities may have mandates, and they need, to, they need to justify their energy choices and energy consumption. And that is going to mean more solar, more storage, um, more fleet electrification. Um, it's also going to mean some more reporting on all of those items. Um, there's going to need to be good reporting so that people can really justify their choices and, uh, and, and make the case for going green. Uh, one last thing that I'm very excited about, I haven't had any experience with this so far, but I am excited, is community solar. Um, increasing solar accessibility to the public. And um, I think that that will be a very tricky thing to manage as an asset manager, um, but I am interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, oh, you touch on some, some great, Great things to look out for. And just lastly, on that community solar, yeah, absolutely seeing a lot of that big increase as far as my reportings. We're seeing a lot of that coming online. So that's really exciting to see as well. Um, and of course, I have to mention the sheep. Love the sheep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great visual for sure. Um, it is. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, Katie, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your expertise with me and our listeners. And I do hope you'll come back uh, onto our podcast. I'd love to have you back. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you. And for New Project Media, this is Alana Knopf. See you next time.